0: Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, and as you're turning there, I would have you uh, think, as we're getting ready to start the new year, your uh, worst New Year's resolution ever made, if you want to call that to mind, whether that's uh, the worst decision you made for resolve or the worst failure you made in resolving to do something. Everybody's favorite thing is New Year's resolutions, right? Right? I don't even know how many people make those anymore because it's just such a disappointment to fail so miserably. In fact, uh, I don't know if you know this, but January 17th has actually been designated as ditch your New Year's resolution day. (laughs) Because about 50% of people have already failed and given up on their resolution by that point. So something about New Year's resolutions, with the turn of the new year, there's uh, what you might call like a fresh start syndrome, like we've got this opportunity, we feel like there's a newness about it, so we're going to try to make the most of it and see how long we can go, and, and hopefully we'll get somewhere. And uh, I think part of that, while, while there's always a um, great uh, chance to make your your Uh, strive forward and see how can we be new is that um, if you got that mentality then as soon as you've so much as made a blip on that resolution then it's like well I've already failed maybe next year we'll see. Well um, while we might have a maybe love-hate relationship with resolutions there is a place for resolutions even in the Bible although uh, one of them you think of Peter who told Jesus though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. He told Jesus, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus told him right there, no, uh, you're not going to make it. Um, you're going to deny me even before the rooster crows twice. And uh, so Peter failed at his resolution, but um, yet that wasn't the end of the story for him either. And he was able to pick up and go on I also think of Paul's resolution. Uh, he made a number of them. Acts twenty verse twenty four. He says, "I don't count my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God." Even as he's in prison, he he continued in that resolve. He wrote in Philippians three fourteen, "I press on toward the goal for the prize." of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then he was able to say toward the end of his life as he wrote to encourage Timothy in his endurance, he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And certainly not without blips along the way, the, the struggle, and, and he wrote of that as well. But uh, something for us to consider as we think about not just a new year, a new year's one time to think of it, but that continual resolve that I want to uh, be all that God has called me to be. I want to give myself to him, to continue to offer myself to him to, as, as his disciple, to be radically committed. And that's our, our uh, title this morning, the disciple's radical commitment. As we look at Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, uh, if you'll follow along with me as I read Uh, Luke 14, verse 25, through the end of that chapter. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth and Lord, thank you for its treasure that is relevant for us right here, right now as we study, but even going forth that this is the foundation we want to build our lives upon. We want to be committed to you. We want to know you through your word and we want to follow you according to your word. So Lord, we ask your help today that we would understand it and that we'd be challenged by it to obey you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus makes the statement a few times in this passage. You cannot be my disciple unless you see. There's there's a a, a certain boundary set, and these actually are quite a challenge for us to consider. And we want to think about them this morning. Unless you, first of all, in verse 26, unless you hate your family. You cannot be my disciple unless you hate your family. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. And then he makes another statement right after that, verse 27, unless you bear your cross, that uh, execution, that uh, on your way to death, that burden that you have to own up to to be ready to die whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple and then later in the passage in verse 33 he gives another unless you renounce your wealth all that you have so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple Now these aren't necessarily limitations that Jesus is laying down, like you you have to do this, or I I don't want to have anything to do with you. Actually what Jesus is calling us to recognize is that this is by definition what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow Jesus. So if you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I give my life to him, but I'm going to stay in a comfort zone and, and pick and choose what I will along the way of following Jesus, then Actually, by definition, we are not actually following Jesus. By definition, we are not his disciples. And so I think we need to understand as we jump into this passage, first of all, what is a disciple? Uh, The word has the idea of a learner, but uh, putting together all the uses of it and seeing uh, it's essentially an apprentice. A disciple is one who apprentices behind somebody, following after a master, learning to become like him. And Jesus says in Luke 6, 40, that when he's fully trained, he will be like his teacher, be like his master, the one he's followed. He's apprenticing to learn the right pattern. That's what we ought to do as we seek to be Christ-like and follow Christ. We're learning how to be like him more and more along the way. So what I'd like us to see as we get into this passage today is that we ought to hold nothing back from following Jesus no reservations no excuses no uh except for this it's all in to follow him and to become like our savior and master the lord jesus christ and there's three preparations that jesus calls us to in this passage and the first is this we need to count the cost of following count the cost of following and he echoes this in a couple of times if Verse 28, which he desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Verse 31, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. See, this isn't uh, easy like, okay, I'm going to jump in line and and add Jesus to my life and uh, collect on my insurance policy. Now I know where I'm going when I die. No, this is totally new. There's much consideration to be had. There's a decision to be made. Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to be defined by him? Am I going to give my life to him? There's a number of um, posts that have been made in, in recent years about these New Year resolutions that give us a little insight along the way. One person said this, A lot of people are exercising for their New Year's resolution. He says, I'm watching a show that I don't even like because the remote fell on the floor. See, he counted the cost, and it wasn't worth it to get out of his seat. Now, we need to think about the cost of following Jesus. And first of all, uh, he, he gives that illustration of the tower, starting up, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to build this tower, great aspirations, I've, I've got big plans, and yet my big plans, my big resolution, my big decision is nothing more than ambitions, aspirations, but without follow-through. I got the foundation, but now I don't have enough. And uh big point isn't about how we can do our New Year's resolutions well, the big point is how how can we give our all to following jesus not just because it's 2024 but that's what god has called us to to follow jesus to become more like him well are we going to make it are we going to continue what we need to first of all recognize that as we count the cost of following, we might need to ask the question, what is it going to cost if I don't follow Jesus? As we're making a decision, wow, there's, there's some big sacrifice involved, having to hate my family, having to bear my cross, having to renounce my stuff. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, but on the other hand, if I stay in this comfort zone and make sure that I've got everything I want, I've, I'm uh, devoted to my family just the way that I want to be, I'm uh, comfortable in my life and not on the course to death. And uh, I can have all my stuff and not have to set it aside. But actually, I need to recognize the cost of that. And Jesus actually challenges that perspective in Matthew 16, verse 26, puts it in in different terms. He says, uh, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, there's this life now, the comforts of this life, where there's my soul for all eternity, and there's a decision to be made, and I need to count it on both sides. Well, the Apostle Paul had done just that, and he says, I've got all this stuff that I could hold on to, all of my righteousness, all of my ways. I I could uh, bask in that and feel just fine, but he says in Philippians chapter 3, Verse 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord. He says, For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That's more worth it. He'd made that decision. He'd counted the cost and he'd uh, calculated out that it was more worth it to follow Jesus no matter the cost along the way. Let me ask you this. At what point would you abandon Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Not, uh, okay, I'm all in, but what about when things come along the way? When the unanticipated suffering that you see other people go through and now you're in the midst of it, health or uh, financial loss or other unbearable circumstances that you could have never seen coming. Are you still in? Are you still committed? Have you counted that cost? Or is that like you've, you've laid the foundation of your tower or you, you didn't see coming that there was a king with 20,000 and you only had 10,000 in your army? No, my, my life, I'm, I'm not ready for difficulties. I'm not ready for Unanswered questions i'm not ready for relational conflicts i'm not ready for maybe even hurts in the church what's it going to take for you to walk away and say nope i'm out it's an important question that i would have you to consider ahead of time to count the cost not to say okay here's the mark where i'm out but but to weigh your heart and examine and say are, are you there or how do you need to grow in your commitment? How do you need to grow in your resolve? Because uh, it's not a one-time resolution that I, I, I'm in, but it's a continual resolve that I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to come after him. See, uh, we have it quite easy here in America. Uh, just a, a couple years ago, a few men, Ahmad Sarparast, Morteza Mashudkari, and Ayub Por Rezadat, had been sentenced to five years in prison for engaging in propaganda and education of deviant beliefs contrary to the holy sharia and connections with foreign leaders. These men in Iraq, they'd originally been arrested in September 2021, and uh, they spent months in court arguing their case, and while being questioned, interrogators blatantly mocked their faith, and they forced these men to listen to the Quran for three hours every day. These men maintained their innocence and denied all charges against them. They explained, we're just Christians worshiping according to the Bible. We've not engaged in any propaganda against the regime or any action against national security. Nevertheless, they were convicted by the court under Article 500 of the penal code, and they were sentenced to five years in prison. Uh, A few few years back in Uganda, a 20-year-old man named Tabiru, Tabiruka Tafiro told his father, I want to confirm that I am saved by the grace of God. I can't renounce my Christian faith now or in the future. He'd been hiding for a while from his dad and finally came face to face, having to confess that he had come to faith in Jesus Christ and converted from his Islam background. His father followed him. I'll save the graphic details, but beat him, hung him, and killed him. He told uh, the people he had killed his son because he had disgraced the Islamic religion by becoming a Christian. These are just a few stories among so many of around the world. These are real stories, and yet uh, as we consider how easily we could fall away from the faith because there's other things we'd rather be doing on Sunday morning, or someone in church maybe hurt our feelings, or uh, the struggles that we might walk through, the real struggles, but Are you going to choose comfort and preference over, if this is real, are you going to continue to follow? What's it going to take to persevere after following Christ? The truth is that the world will hate us. That shouldn't be a surprise to any of us. Jesus warned the disciples repeatedly in the upper room as he was getting ready to uh, be led to the cross and and crucified. And he told them in, in John 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. And it tells them this, this is going to happen. Be ready. They wanted to prepare them well for the reality of what was coming. And we have a certain comfort here, but it is getting harder and harder each day in our country to follow Christ. And yet, it's worth it. We need to see the value. I need to understand that, that this is in the backdrop of in the middle of Luke, um, Jesus has laid down some challenges of following him. He said in Luke 13 that the door was narrow. need to strive to enter by the narrow door. And yet in Luke 15, he's going to talk about the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And, and his uh, pursuit of those lost things is a parable that he is, is the Savior. He is Lord, but he is Savior. And so we need to understand that salvation cannot be bought. These are not terms of how we can be good enough to earn heaven to be able to enter into eternity with him. Salvation can't be bought. It's a free gift. And Jesus says in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Not to, to tell them how to get it by, by being good enough, but to rescue them dying on the cross on their behalf, to pay the penalty of sins. That's free. Can't buy it. But it will cost us everything to follow him. cost us everything so i'd have you reflect how are you holding back even now how can you be more faithful how can you grow in your commitment to follow after the lord jesus as a disciple actually just earlier in luke 14 there's a parable of the great banquet and invitations being made come come to my banquet and what's happening a bunch of excuses verse 18 but they all alike began to make excuses. One says, I've got, I just bought a new field, I need to go see it. One says, I just bought a new oxen, I need to go examine them. One's like, oh, I, I just got married, sorry. And perhaps they were anticipating that there'd be another in- invitation. At some point, they could go ahead and, and make that effort to follow it and, and be part of this. And yet, uh, they were choosing their comfort and their preferences instead. What are we willing to face? If it gets too hard or if people don't like us or if it gets uncomfortable if we're busy or tired need to count the cost and follow Jesus second preparation that we need to do so we can hold nothing back is that we would understand the call to die understand that call to die we need to bear our cross, he says. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Well, uh, we tend to view life like a buffet, a little bit of options, all, all these things before me, and I can pick and choose along the way and sample a little bit of this and then figure out wh- wh- which way I want to go, and yet um, Jesus doesn't present it that way. It's to bear the cross it's a burden to carry to follow after him it's a sentence to die not necessarily physical death but uh no longer defined by my preferences my desires my values but new preferences new desires new values in christ oh this uh Demonstrates a little bit of a picture of our preferences. This uh, guy says, well, Charles, when I baptize you, everything that goes under belongs to God. It's a little picture of that baptism that we die to self, we, we rise as new creation in Christ, not because baptism accomplishes that, but it pictures what God has done in salvation. So Charles figures out a solution for that. He's got his wallet above the water like, you can't have my money, Lord. And we have our own ways that we Choose our preferences and, and keep our comforts, but he uh, puts it even to perspective that we have to renounce all that we have in order to be His disciples, so much that it's not holding on, but it's letting go. It's following after him. Well, let me ask, what is success for you? How do you define your life? What is the parameters that you're operating by to say, "Here's what I'm after, Here's what I'm pursuing with my life. And how do you come to those decisions? What shapes that for you? Because in Christ, we have a new success. It's being his disciple. It's following after him. It's, it's taking on those new values. Well, again, thinking of some of those New Year resolution posts, one person says, My New Year's resolution was to lose 10 pounds, and I'm ending the year with only 17 more to go. <laughs> Another uh, post this says, Here's an update, and, and this is um, just before 7 a.m. on January 1st. It says, update, my wife's resolution to yell at the kids less has just taken a very bad turn. Well, if we are simply shaped by our, our preferences and, uh, you know, we are on a path. And along the way, there's going to be struggles, we're going to miss the mark, but we continue along that path to say, okay, I'm still headed in a direction defined by following after Christ. We need to realize that following Jesus matters more than our lives, matters more than everything that I want to hold dear instead. And we can say, well, what what about, what about my relationships? What about my possessions? What about my preferences? All these things that no, these are costs that we're challenged to count, and these are pursuits we're challenged to lay down. Not because these things don't matter, especially uh, if we think about relationships. What, what does this mean, Lord? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, well, you kind of struggle with hating your family. might feel a little more comfortable after reading this. And uh, Kids, I want you to know Jesus is not saying go ahead and hate your brother or hate your sister. <laughs> no, actually what he's doing is he, he's putting it in terms of comparison that uh, this ought to pale, your, your love for your family ought to pale in comparison to your love for Jesus. What that means is not that you don't care about them, but as you love them, it's, it's driven by that love for him. It's shaped by that, not, okay, I'm going to do all the things my family wants, but okay, I'm going to bless them out of giving them their greatest need, us following after Jesus together, and that shapes the rest of it. In fact, uh, a love for others is driven by a love for Jesus. It's not hindered by a love for Jesus. We need to understand that, but we need to also be careful that there's no excuses. No excuses. to say, well, I've got far better things to do. I've got my preferences the gospel transforms each of these. gospel transforms our relationships. It transforms our possessions. It transforms our preferences to make them beautiful so that we can use them for him. So we need to accept the call to die and love Jesus most, choose Jesus first. That he is first in my life. Last, we can hold nothing back from following Jesus with the preparation that we beware There's a warning of the loss of value that we watch out for that in our own lives. One more uh, post. Uh, This lady saying how she asked her husband, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Husband, I can't really think of anything. She says me, hands him a list. (laughs) So... If you you want to help out your significant other with uh, how they could grow in the coming days and years. now There's a certain value in that uh, community of helping one another. Now, as, as we go on in verse 34 and 35, he says, Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use, either for the salt or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now we have that warning, he who has ears to hear, that this is a listen up. He's, he said this earlier in the book of Luke, as he's telling the parable of the, the sower, he's scattering a seed in places where some of it will grow well, but some of it's falling on thorny ground or rocky ground, where it's really not going to uh, take root, and it's a picture of the gospel. Are, are you going to be receptive to it? Some places, uh, who's going to be receptive to receive this, the seed of the gospel? We don't know, but... We ought to prepare our own hearts to continue to grow in that. But he says, listen up. And there's a warning here. And it might not make sense to us if salt loses its taste. Well, uh, you know, you can always put more and more and more and see how, how that works out. And some of you maybe have kids who do that. Uh, that's not our plate, by the way. But uh, there's different ways that um, tr- trying to understand that one, one person says you know, today's salt is pure, but um, salt in Jesus' day was impure and could lose its flavor, especially if it came in contact with the earth. Someone else uh, elaborates, sometimes salt from the Dead Sea vicinity would get contaminated with gypsum, and if it wasn't processed correctly, it could lose its effectiveness and taste. So, trying to understand how how could salt lose its flavor, Um, either way, there's a sense in which we we see that that doesn't quite make sense to us. We can't comprehend it. Part of that's a Christian without being a disciple is about the same as salt without having flavor. Something's missing. It loses its definition. It loses its purpose. It doesn't matter anymore. And so he says it's not even good for the soil or for the manure pile. All we can do is throw it away. Well, that ought to be a warning for us. We all desire for our lives to matter, right? We want to I want to have meaning. We want to have purpose. We want to have our value. We would not want to lose that, but we need to realize, too, that our value is found in maintaining the integrity of our designed purpose. See, salt, if it loses its integrity, if it loses its its purity, if it loses its saltiness, how can it be restored? Just throw it out. Well, if we want our lives to matter, we need to keep the man- the integrity of our lives by that design purpose that God has given us, that we would be defined by Christ, that we would follow after him according to his word, that we would give our all for knowing him. Our value is found in that. And then we don't have to fear of losing our our purpose, missing our purpose, missing our meaning in life when we are faithful to what God has called us to do. It's worth following after Jesus. And we need to realize that no matter how hard life is or what obstacles we face, Jesus can use us when we stay the course. Again, I feel like, oh, I I started, but now I feel like the king who doesn't have enough resources to get there. I've got 10,000 and I've got 20,000 coming against me. Well, think back to counting the cost and consider, do we have what it takes to follow Jesus? Do you have what it takes to follow Jesus? Well in one sense, no. We're, we're helpless in and of ourselves and in another sense that's why we're being told if we want to do this, and we want to do it well, what is it going to take? Well you've got to put Jesus first. Family aside, you've got to put Jesus first and, and accept that call to die. You've got to put Jesus first and, and find value in him and, and along the way as we grow in that he's alongside us, helping us as we are, are being shaped by who he is and helped by the Spirit in that process. We've got to stay the course, keep going. Keep, keep building up on that tower and find the strength in him. Keep uh, fighting the good fight. No matter how hard life is or what obstacles we face, we have to hold nothing back from following Jesus. What's going to take? First of all, counting the cost. So we know that it's, it's not just some easy course. Well, um, what, is, what is being a, a disciple? As long as I go to church and, and uh, try to do this most of the time and be a good person. No, there's so much more to it. What does it mean? It, it's being shaped to be an apprentice of Jesus, to become more like him day in and day out. And that means that I'm called to die just as Christ did. That I'm going to pick up my cross and follow him not about my wants anymore and beware there's a warning if, if i, I stray and, and give up and uh, no I, I if i don't follow after him then i've totally missed what it means to be his disciple as we get ready to close i want to leave us with these few thoughts this coming year and not just because it's 2024 but as we seek to how can i grow looking forward here's how you can be a disciple in 2024 first of all thinking about growing personally. Reading the Bible and praying is is such an important part of that, not just to check the box and say, okay, I I did, but but to dive into God's word, to commit myself to being shaped by it, to know who Jesus is, to know the will of the Lord. And as I read this and understand God's character and grow in it, God shapes me. And then spending time abiding in Christ through prayer to to come to him and, and bow my heart before him, and love him more through that. Not only that, but growing in, in corporate worship. To be committed to learn and, and sing together. That, that this Sunday morning worship is such an important part of what we do. Uh, think of it as like a, a, a training. We come together, we grow in the word, and we go forth to live it out. But it's, it's also the, what we do together. Because we've stirred one another up for that purpose. We've rallied the troops to go and live Out who christ is in our lives not only that but the mutual growth we can have through um, not only the abf classes that we have afterward but also the community groups where we can sit down together and and engage one another to to pray for one another and know here's where we're struggling together but we encourage one another keep going we can live this out we talk about the application of the truth and, and how can we do this together also, the mutual purpose is we come together that each one of you, as a member of the body, as a part of the body, has a part to play. And you can take part and serve the church, and, and God would use you to impact everyone in this room. You might think, who am I? But a, as a follower of Jesus, God is shaping you to do your part. And that's part of being a disciple. And then last is the, the multiplying to make more disciples to build relationships as you go forth that we, we build relationships here but we go out and, and whether it's in some of the affinity groups we're looking at doing or in your neighborhood as you connect with your neighbors or as you go throughout the day in your work or wherever you go to build those relationships and seek gospel conversations say yeah this is so important that it's spilling forth from my life that it's not just this sunday morning compartment one or two hours but it's everything of who i am and i can't help but let it uh, pour out of me and be contagious and infect other people because I want them to know about the hope that's in Christ. Jesus did this with his disciples. As they were learning and becoming like him, man, they, they fumbled along the way. They, they looked kind of foolish at times and they made promises they couldn't keep. But as they did so, they were still learning and they were uh, going and they were doing the ministry and, and telling people and, and they weren't perfect and they had, were nowhere close. But God was using them. And God can use us as disciples of Jesus as we follow after him. May we aspire together, not to hold anything back from following Jesus, but to be his disciple. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the great hope that we have in your word. Thank you that even as we are told to count the cost, that it's not a measuring of can we be good enough. Because we recognize we cannot, we all have sinned, we all fall short, and Lord, uh, even as we go forth from here, we're going to fall flat on our faces this week in different sin, different conflict, different struggle, not to assure ourselves that sin is okay, but to recognize we continually need you, we want to confess and forsake our sins, but Lord, we want to continue to hold on to you, to follow after you, to walk right close to you so that we can know you more and be shaped by you. Lord, we need the community of believers. We thank you for Crossroad Baptist Church. We thank you for our church family as we seek to love you more. I ask that you would help us to put you first in our hearts and lives, that we would value knowing you, that we would value following you, that we would value coming together as a body for that mutual purpose. Lord, would you use us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.